0: Well, as they're heading out, just a reminder again, that song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, helps us to bring in Advent on this first Sunday of Advent. And it's a call for Jesus um, to come be with us. It's an, it's an old call, but it's a call again for us today. And it's, it's expressed in a different way in our passage today in Isaiah 64. Now, we're going to be using the prophet Isaiah as our text Uh, The next four Sundays and Christmas Eve as well, we're calling this series A Sage Story. So, Prophet Isaiah, he's the sage. It's kind of his story. It's what he's telling us, what he's telling the people of Israel thousands of years ago, which is still true today, that we're in need of a Savior. We're in need of a Messiah. Now, since we're going to be spending a chunk of time in Isaiah, and it's not a book we study all the time, I thought it might be fun to help uh, lessen the intimidation of where to find things in the Bible. If we look at this picture up here this morning, the picture of kind of where the books of the Bible fall, and I'm kind of geeky. I like, I like stuff like this. I'm just going to say that, so I do, and I'll tell you. Uh, one of the things I also like about this, there's 39 books in the Old Testament. Now, if you like math, three times nine is 27, which tells you there's 27 books in the New Testament. See, that's kind of fun, right? All people who like math like that, Yeah. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. Isaiah is up here under prophecy. There's the laws of Moses, then kind of the history, the poetry. Then the prophets, there's the major and the minor prophets. Isaiah, one of the major prophets, a little uh, longer books, more well-known. Some of the minor prophets, shorter books that are not as well-known. And then you see there the New Testament as well. It's just a way to make the Bible less intimidating and to see where Isaiah falls uh, in the Bible there. So we are looking at isaiah and his call for us it's not only a uh, a call for for god to come he also gives a lot of warnings and so you're you're saying well there's all those books of the prophets you know the major prophets the minor prophets what's their message well there's a lot of similar messages when you read the prophets and many of the prophets are like parents warning their children if you want good results do what i say do the right thing If you do the wrong thing, get ready for the consequences, right? Get ready for the consequences if you make mistakes. The prophets are, in a sense, saying that, and then when we make the mistakes, they're telling us, here's how we make things right, and we're going to talk about that on this day as well. So, let's look at that. It's right near the end of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. This is God's Word. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as wind fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, nor ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you and your ways, but you were angry and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, on this Lord's Day, this Sunday, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, as we look to the prophet Isaiah, as well as to passages in the New Testament, may we bring honor to you this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's Isaiah really praying to God. As you read this, it's a little different language. Certainly it's translated from the Hebrew, but it's it's spoken in in a language long ago. But what you can feel in that when you look at it is some of the emotion, that Isaiah is really for the people of Israel crying out to God. He's confessing to God. He's asking God to come down. In fact, he says, tear open the heavens, rend the heavens, pull them apart, and please, God, come down because we need you. And we need you, God, and we can say this today as well, because we sin. Now, how many of you really like to talk about sin? Anybody? No, not really? I, I don't either. I don't really like to talk about sin, but guess what? It's a big part of our passage today, and we need to talk about sin sometime because there's a remedy for sin and because it, it tells us we need God. We cannot do life on our own and so it gets us to a place we need to be we all sin in verse 5 Isaiah says you were angry and we sinned in verse 6 Isaiah says we are all unclean and in verse 7 there is no one who calls on God's name so as we're going to talk about sin let's talk about it a little bit we have sins of commission and sins of omission sins of commission are sins of action Sins of things like thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not steal. Now we might do okay on those, on those two big ones, but some of the other ones um, maybe we don't do quite so well at. You know, are we always honest in our words or actions? Do we gossip? Are we gluttons? Maybe I was a little bit of a glutton over Thanksgiving. I don't know about you. I had too much to eat, too much pie, very much. Are we selfish? Are we lazy? Um, What about our thought lives? Are our thought lives pure? And I think we can all agree with Isaiah that at some point, in some way, even in this past week, we have fallen short, even on some of those things. We might even think of the word uh, covet, one of the Ten Commandments thou shalt not covet. When we drive through a neighborhood, and we may live in a great house, but we see that other family's house, boy, that house is beautiful from the outside. I'd love to see what it looks like on the inside. I wish I could have that house. If we let ourselves go too far, if we begin to idolize something else that we don't have that maybe we can't have, that begins to replace our worship of God. And so we begin to idolize those things. We also have sins of omission as well. Those are sins of commission, sins of action, sins of omission as well. Maybe the quieter things, when we know we should do something, we have a feeling. Maybe the Holy Spirit's telling us. You have that feeling in your gut. I should be doing something. But for whatever reason, we choose not to do it. So, you know, I really should give that person a call. I know that person is alone. I should help them out. I should invite them over. I should just even check on them to see how they're doing. But if we ignore that, then is that a sin of omission? If we know that we're in the wrong about something or there's a distance between two people and we don't choose to take the first step to say we're sorry or we could repair some things, That can be a sin of omission. So both sins of commission and sins of omission do something uh, very important. They separate us from God. And I know that sounds simple. They separate us from God. And it's really not uh, God who leaves us, even though when you read Isaiah, it feels like that. Why, God, are you hiding from us? And I know for for the people then, they had generations and generations of sin where the prophets, when you read through the prophets... They're warning the people, come back to God, turn away from your other idols and come back to God. And for generations and generations, they pretty much ignore it. And so finally now, they're reaping the consequences of that. But we too can turn away from God. And so it feels like when we have sinned, God is distant from us because He may be because we are the ones who left. I was thinking about that and and thinking about what does that feel like? You know, we, we might what's that feel like to be separated from God? And honestly, I think it feels a lot like we are when we're separated in our relationships, the people that we're close to. So with a loved one, maybe with a child to a parent relationship, with a family member, with a coworker, and something's gone wrong in the relationship, you had an argument, you disagreed about something, and when you see that person, you feel awkward, or you feel a little bit angry. Maybe you grit your teeth a little bit, and you're not quite sure how to cross the gap. We know what that feels like. I think it's the same way with God. When we feel we're absent from God and we realize and acknowledge our own sin, I think that's good because it can lead to conviction. Conviction can be a good thing because when we're convicted that we have sinned and we've moved away from God, now we know we need help. We need help to get back. We need a remedy for this sin. And so we can know what that feels like. And the good news is, and this is where our sin leads us, is that God can change us. We can get help from God. And so we pray for Emmanuel. As we sang in at least two songs this morning, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, in one of the earlier songs, God is God with us. And Isaiah talks about this in other passages that will be in the weeks ahead. We pray for God to be God with us. We don't want God to be distant. We, we want to be God with us. And we, we realize we need to pray that we need God and ask God to come again and again to be with us. I don't always pray that way, and so I'll admit that. So I wanna think about how, how can I have a more sense of a little bit of that emotion that Isaiah has to God, tear the heavens and come down, be with me, be with us, that I need you so much. So I thought of a pastor that I've known, I don't know him really well, but I've met him at some conferences, I've been in his church uh, once, heard him speak, several times read a book that he wrote but i have the chance to meet him and spend a little time with him his name's jimmy sybert he's a pastor at a southern baptist church in uh, waco texas it's where i grew up in texas i went to baylor university down in waco texas jimmy's about my age we went to baylor at the same time although i didn't get to know him then i got to know him later but he's a very genuine person he's a very christ-centered person and from the outside looks he's been really successful Pastor's a large church that has planted many other churches. Like I said, I think he's written two books. But when Jimmy prays, and doesn't that sound good? Pastor Jimmy from Southern Baptist Church in Texas. It's true, right? He's Pastor Jimmy. But when he prays, and he's a godly man, oftentimes when he stands up to pray, he'll say, God, we need you. And then he starts to repeat, Lord, we need you. We need you. God, we need you today. We need you to come down. God, we need you in our lives. You know, as the people, we're calling on you. God, we need you in our lives. And I thought about if Jimmy, who I know well enough to know that he's a genuine person and he loves God, he's a good pastor, if he needs Jesus that much, then I must really need him, right? I think we all need him that much. And it's a good reminder that we need to pray as individuals and silently on our own during the week, that we need to pray that we need God and to confess our sins to him. So as I was thinking about that this week, I thought, you know, we can pray individually, we can pray silently to ask God to forgive us of our sins. I think it's also good sometimes to pray corporately. You know, here we are, we're God's people. Maybe we come from different places. I know there's some college students here today, so welcome, we're glad. Other family members are here today. But we are God's people gathered in this room, in this place for this hour to be God's people together. And we can confess our sins together. And So if you don't very often confess your sins, which sometimes I miss days where I confess, um, I think now is a good time. We're hearing we have a need for God, that we can confess our need for God together. So I've borrowed simply from the prophet Isaiah and a little bit from the apostle John, a prayer of confession, and I would love it if you would join me in this. I'll be the leader, and you are the people. The Apostle John says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So it is good and healthy for us to admit our need for God and to confess our sins to God. Let us pray together. As you are God and we are not, we realize that we need you desperately in our lives. Together we confess our sins, sins of commission and omission and bring them to you today. We agree with Isaiah in saying, do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember our iniquity forever. We humbly ask for your forgiveness, and we turn our hearts to you, knowing that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Hear the good news. God has shown us how much he loves us. It was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, you are truly forgiven. Amen? Amen. And that's good news. And it's good to do that together sometimes. But I want to tell you, that that's a great start, but we don't have to end there. That's a great start to realize that we have a need for God, to confess our sins to Him, but we also know that God can change us. So we go a step further, and I like this quote from John Ortberg. I've probably said it before because I, re- I really love it, where he tells us what we can do. He says this, John Ortberg says, God loves, God loves you the way you are, but He loves you too much to leave you that way said, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. I think that's good news as well. So we don't just have to stop at getting our forgiveness, right? Because we've confessed our sins, we've asked for forgiveness, God gives us that, we believe that, we want to change. And so in the next four weeks, we're going to look at Isaiah, we're going to keep looking at Isaiah, his call on us to change, to be God with us so that we can be his followers. And then we have a response. So we're, we're forgiven of our sins, and we have a response back to Him. And Isaiah gives us that response as well. In verse 8, he says, We are the clay, and you are the potter. You are our God. We are your people. And that's good news. I think we need to claim that as well. God can shape us and mold us where we are. And this, this pottery theme is a theme that I think is common uh, in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament, it's in Romans, it's in uh, Second Corinthians, it's in different places in the Old Testament as well, because pottery, especially in the ancient Middle East, was everywhere, it's how they stored things. They even stored their documents, their ancient scrolls in pottery, and all kinds of other things. And so pottery is a common theme. And yet we know pottery is fragile, especially the kind of very simple pottery that they would make in ancient times, and it would often break. And it reminds me that my sin sometimes breaks me. So I brought this reminder. I brought some show and tell, some, some objects this morning. And this is one. It's a little piece of pottery. It's just a little broken pot, the bottom of a broken pot. And, uh, and it reminds me that I, too, can be broken. Now, I thought about buying a whole bunch of pots and breaking them all up for all you guys today. A couple of reasons I decided to do that. One, that's, that's expensive and take a lot of time. I thought, well, the other thing is it's sharp. Like, this one here is kind of sharp. I didn't want anybody to cut themselves. I'm just saying, okay? But this reminds, too, when, I, when I'm broken, not only with sin, but with the things that go on in the world when there's disease or illness or broken relationships, that those make my edges sharp as well. And God needs to file down those edges to smooth them out and to repair me. And so I keep this little piece of broken pottery um, on my shelf, to know that I need God and so I was thinking about how do we show brokenness in our own lives and what can God do with the brokenness in our lives so if we feel like this or a bunch of pieces like this what can God do with that and so one of the places I've seen the best cases of brokenness and what God can do from that is great banquet and great banquet's a movement it's a it's a retreat a spiritual retreat that's here part of our church and a lot of places around the country Um, It's a three-day spiritual retreat that begins on Thursday night and goes till Sunday afternoon. And so, some of you I know have been to Great Banquet, some not. That's why I was telling you a little bit about it. But as part of Great Banquet, you hear 15 short talks about faith and about who God is and who Jesus is. Now, here's a secret from Great Banquet. I'm not going to give away big secrets, but here's a little one. Sometimes pastors like myself, I've had the chance to be on some Great Banquet teams, we get to give one talk, one of the talks. But we don't give the best talks the best talks are given by people like you. So people that are lay people within the church or from other churches, who, and they tell about their stories within their talks where they say, here's in my life where I've been broken, and here's what God has done with me. Here's how God saved me. Here's how God changed me, and here's what God can do now through my life. And after you hear that 15 times, it's powerful, and it's moving to see what God has done through others and then what he can do now through them to help others who are guests. So we had a great banquet community gathering. That's once a month. It's on a Thursday night. There's not big crowds, a great banquet community gathering, but we had one 10 days ago and I had the chance to be here. We had it right here in this room, Thursday night at seven o'clock, 10 days ago. And so at that great banquet gathering, we had two personal sharings. So there was a great banquet in October, a men's great banquet and a women's. And so a lady got up, and she was asked to share that night. And so she was prepared, and she did. And she got up that she had just been to the Women's Great Banquet in October. And she shared her story how she had been broken. That um, in her life, not too long ago, she had had some relationships very much broken in her life. And those were hard to repair, maybe almost irreparable in some ways. And then soon after, she lost a job that she loved. She had worked at the same place for many years, and she lost a job. She got a new job. And at this new job one of her co-workers went to the great banquet and she saw a change in this lady's life and then this friend her co-worker invited her to the great banquet where she accepted that and then when she went she said it was a change in her life um, to go to the great banquet and so this is what she said there was so much grace and so much love that on saturday nights you can even come to church on saturday night not not most weeks but on great banquet weeks and on saturday night in this very room probably somewhat here up close to the platform For the first time in our life, I'm guessing she was in her 40s, she asked Jesus to be her Lord and Savior and gave her life to Him. And she said that God was healing the brokenness in her life through some of the stories of others and through the grace of Jesus. Then we had a young man get up and share, and he shared a very similar story. He had some brokenness as a child, kind of a hard home life as a child, and uh, some teenage rebellion. And then he's had some hard things happen more recently in his life. He didn't go into great detail. but but felt that uh, it was a very difficult time for him. even had a, a big illness in the last one to two years. And so he came into the great banquet feeling very broken himself. And he got up here and shared just very briefly, and he said several times, I realize now I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And he said as he looked back on all the history and a lot of the brokenness that he had had in his life for many years that God was walking with him through all those times, and he didn't see it, and he saw it now, and he was receiving God's grace in a new way for the very first time. So God is at work. I want to tell you, I mean, God is at work in our lives, in this church, in the great banquet. When we are broken, God can bring healing and do great things through us to even show our brokenness to help others. But we can't do it alone. It comes from God working in us. So, here's a quote from Max Lucado, I think, that gets at it a little bit. The holiness we are to exhibit is not of our own, but the holiness of Christ in us. We are not holy, and we will not become holy humans. Christ in us can manifest His holiness if we yield our flesh to Him. This is not a human operation. It is a spiritual one. Jesus installs His holiness by grace, not a once-for-all time transaction. This is a daily, moment-by-moment, moment, striving to live more by the Spirit and less by the flesh. So we ask God, Emmanuel, to come be with us. He lives in us and then changes us from the inside out. I like the way Paul says it because this gets back to the clay pots, the brokenness in the clay pots and how fragile they are. And Paul says this in Second Corinthians 4, 7-10. But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible. In our bodies, and I have loved this passage, and I have learned that this relate—it resonates with me. I can relate to this because because it's where I'm at. I oftentimes feel like I'm just a vessel that I'm not very strong. I have a lot of weaknesses. I don't try to show them off, right? But I have a lot of weaknesses, and I feel like, but God inside of me is strong. I'm not, and so it's a reminder for that. So again, I have one more show and tell, uh, an object lesson for the day. I brought this little clay pot. In Israel, 20 years ago, when my wife Claire and I were able to travel there, and it's a very simple clay pot. It's little, so there's a picture of it up on the screen as well. You can't really see it there, but it's got some flaws in it. It's a very simple clay pot, probably like the ones they used in Israel to store things. They would use large clay pots, very large clay pots. But it's not empty. You know, I'm not empty either when I have Jesus in my life. So, I put something in it. There's the treasure, and it's not diamonds, rubies, anything else. It's the cross. And so there's a picture of it there as well. This is a little cross. Again, bought this in Israel. It's a little wooden cross like you put in your pocket to remind you that God is always with you. And I keep that on my shelf to remember that I'm not the treasure, but I have the treasure inside of me. And through Christ, I can do all things. He can use me, like those people at the great banquet, to impact others for Christ. And so we have good news. We can cry out like Isaiah like Pastor Jimmy e- even, that we need God, we need God, we need God to forgive us of our sins, we invite Him into our lives, we say, oh, come, Emmanuel, and we realize uh, that, that God is with us in all things. And so I was reviewing and, and researching some uh, pottery this week, and Betsy Howden and I were looking at some different pictures, and we both found this image, what I thought was really great, and it's about a Japanese art called Kintsukuri, and it talks about the broken pottery as well. And it's called Golden Repair, and I want to read what I I found about it. It says, the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery with lacquer mixed with gold, silver, or platinum. And as a philosophy, it treats the breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. So here's a picture. It was a broken, simple clay pot, but made more beautiful because in the places that it was broken, it was repaired with gold. So again, I want to read their philosophy. It treats breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. And I wonder if they got this idea from God, right? Because, I mean, our brokenness, if we, if we can share it appropriately, can help others to realize that they can be broken and repaired too by God. And so that's good news. Well, we, just a few minutes ago, we had a response of reading or prayer of confession and an assurance of pardon. And I wanted to do one more, so I want to ask you to do one more with me. And this is a response, really, to the message from Isaiah. And so what we've done, we we included some of what Isaiah said here uh, in this scripture today, and a little bit from the Apostle Paul from this scripture we just read about uh, the treasure in clay pots or clay jars. And it's really a response to what we're uh, hearing today. So I'll be the leader if you would be the people. And what I would like for you to do, if you are able, if you would stand, because we're going to speak some of God's Word, let's stand together. This response to today's message, and then after, if you would stay standing for the closing song. We believe, as the prophet Isaiah says, O Lord, You are our Father, and we are the clay. You are our potter. We are all the work of Your hand. We claim together this truth from the Apostle Paul, but we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. Friends, believe the good news. Through Jesus, we are forgiven. Through Jesus, we have God's grace living inside of us. O Lord, you are the potter and we are the clay. Shape us and mold us to be your people you are our treasure. Help us to share that treasure with our neighbor. Like the people of Israel, we ask you to come again to be Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. A closing prayer. Most loving God, we are so great that you forgive us. We're so grateful that you forgive us of our sin, that you love us. God, when we confess our sin, that you promise that you make things right, that you give us new life and new hope. And we pray that at Christmas time that you would come again, Emmanuel. God, that even even we can be broken people. And God, that you, though, are repairing us and to show, uh, God, that this power in us is not from ourselves, but it's from the treasure inside of us. God, you are making of us beautiful things. Help us to be your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if I'll ever find my way I wonder if my life